Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. And I'm Gordon. Gordon, what should we talk about today? Um, good question. I thought we should maybe discuss this spot setting in the metering system. Because I've seen it, I've tried it occasionally, and I was wondering what else I was supposed to do with it. The times when I've used it, I've had less than spectacular results and came to the conclusion there has to be more than this than I am knowing at this time. Well, that's possible because it takes time to get used to, like any any tool or technology. I think it's an incredibly useful addition to the camera because it allows you, the photographer, to exert specific control of exposure in your images because you are particularly taking control of where your camera is doing metering. Okay. So I, I thought I sort of had the basics in that you, you point the spot at a subject and you take a reading. And it gives you the settings that you require to make an image. And your expectation when you do this is that the image is going to be well exposed and gets you around all the issues of uh, stuff around your subject contributing to the exposure. But this spot that we see how big is it? How much of the viewfinder is it covering? How much of the image are you metering when you actually use the spot? And can the size be changed? And if it can, is it still a spot or is it graduating from spot to center weighted? And is the spot necessarily always in the same place? Well, it's good that you showed up with just one question. <laughs> well, it's the I, I learned I learned from the best. Okay. So the answer is it depends. So first off, a spot meter meters what is covered only by the spot. Right. It doesn't extend beyond the edges of the spot. Right. But it varies by focus mode and by the manufacturer of the camera. So the answer is going to be a bit of a generalization to your questions. The general answer is that if you choose a focus mode that is not single point, one yes. focus point, mm -hmm. spot metering will meter the center of the screen. But how big the spot is, is going to vary depending on manufacturer, somewhere between 1% and 5% of what you see in the viewfinder, but at the center. Okay, that makes sense? That I've got. Right. Now, you're going to have to consult your user manual for your camera, although it may be hard to find, or the maker's support desk to find out precisely how much of the center it's covering. As best I can tell, in general, again, the user cannot vary the size or coverage of the spot. Now, on many, but not all cameras, if the focus is set to single point, as most professionals tend to choose, the spot metering will follow the focus point. 
So if you're moving your one focus point around, you know, you're choosing where in the scene the focus is going to be, the spot meter will follow that, but only in single point mode. If you're using multiple focus points, in general, the spot's going to stay in the center. Right. Uh, I guess the issue that I had, and I suspect many people had, is that they see a green or whatever color your camera follows uh, focus point in, in, in the center of the screen. There is actually no demarcation on your screen that tells you that this is the size of the spot. That's true. You're correct. And many people would assume that the size of the green focus point is the size of the spot. And I'm not sure that that is correct. I would suggest that it's indicative of where the metering will take place, but it's but not, not going to much. match the size exactly. Right. Because remember, we can have two cameras side by side, one that has 63 focus points. Yes. And one that has 399 focus points. All right. So if I take those two cameras, and let's use example, one is a Canon and one's a Sony. There are more focus points on the Sony. They extend right to the edge of the frame on the Canon example I'm using. They don't. Right. But because there are more points on the Sony, that means that each of those little focus points is, is smaller to our eye right. on the screen. What we don't know until we look it up is what the area of coverage of the spot is. Right. So let's say that the data tell, that tells us that on average it's between 1% of the total viewfinder up to 5% of the total viewfinder. I think the focus points give us a sense of where the metering is taking place, if you're in single spot mode. Right. But not the precise coverage area. Well, having said that, and that makes a lot of sense, but I think it's a valid point because you may actually be uh, metering off more than one thinks you're metering off. It's uh, conceivable. And that could be causing, I don't know if in practical terms it makes a big difference, but theoretically it could. So what I'm getting from this is that you take a reading of a prescribed area of the image and it largely ignores everything else around it, which actually sounds like a pretty idealistic position to be in. So the subject, to my mind, uh, the situations in which this would be of use would be episodes where the subject is preferentially illuminated, as in at a rock concert or a performance where a spotlight is picking up the main performer, and everybody else kind of drifts into the background. I can see it being useful in bird photography uh, or, or any kind of wildlife photography where things are in questionable areas of illumination to start with and it should give you an adequate exposure of the subject of interest 
And in conditions where there's difficult backlighting and the exposure of the subject is of paramount uh, importance. Uh, the other area I think is uh, maybe you could address is the, the situation where you're photographing black and white using something like the zone system because I can see it being tremendously useful in that particular situation. Well, I think you've hit on a number of common scenarios. So a spotlit subject, great example. Think of an opera singer or an actor on a stage. Mm -hmm. What's around them? They're going to be spotlit to draw attention to them. Right. As a consequence, everything around them is going to get darker. Yep. And if we're using a traditional center weight, or an old-style center weight, because that's been replaced from an efficiencies perspective with evaluative meter. The evaluative meter is going to try to take into account all those dark places. And so it's going to make the exposure greater to bring them up. But that will cause our spotlit subject to blow out. Yep. Whereas if we spot meter off the spotlit subject, we're actually in a better place to get a preferred exposure. Wildlife or bird photography is another great example that you bring up because there could be a pretty significant difference between the light falling on the creature and the light behind it or falling beside it. And particularly for wildlife, if you've got that horrible dappled light, oh, you know, yeah. as we find mm. in the woods, yep. like what a horror show that is for an evaluative meter. Right. Whereas if I can spot off the creature and ignore the dappling effect because I'm not metering it, that could be really, really beneficial. And of course, backlighting you brought up, yeah, no question, right? If mm -hmm. the subject is backlit, that means everything except the subject is bright. Right. And if I use a value metering, what's going to happen? They're going to go dark. Now, I may choose to do that and use spot metering to either get the correct meter reading, correct being the one that illuminates the subject and blows out the background, but maybe I want to go the other way. I want to meter off the subject so I know underexpose that reading because I want to turn them into a silhouette. Right. So it gives me a level of intellectual control over my exposure. Now, you brought up the question of the zone system. Well, sure. Spot metering can be very, very useful if you're shooting for the zone system because the spot meter is doing what? It's doing the same thing as an evaluative meter system. It's going to take all its inputs and provide you a proposed exposure that's going to render what you meter middle gray. Right. It's always middle gray. So if I spot meter, let's suppose a landscape, for example, in our zone system scenario. Whatever I spot meter off of, that's going to be zone five. Yes. And now I can spot meter off a number of other places and find out where they're going to be in relation to my preferred zone five. Right. And determine how much dynamic range I have. Now, how is that going to help me? Well, it's going to help me by knowing the total dynamic range of my scene, 
it may encourage me to choose to place my dominant subject in a different zone for a different effect because it's the only way I'm going to know all the potential zones in the image. Now, right. this isn't happening quickly. No. You're taking a no. whole lot of readings and you're probably writing some of them down unless your memory is far superior <laughs> to mine. So these are all good scenarios where spot metering has the potential to be beneficial. Yeah. Um, so the, then I, I sort of wonder, so, okay, that this, this sounds so good on the surface. So it makes you wonder then, if this is so potentially good, what's wrong with it? Why have we all gone to the trouble of taking... Of, of developing this evaluative metering system that we use constantly when we've got this other thing sitting in the, you know, one click away. So I'm, I'm sure there are downsides to this that I am, I'm not exactly seeing uh, at this point. So let me start by saying there's nothing wrong with spot meter. It does exactly what it says it's going to do. But most photographers don't put a lot of thought into metering at all. They want to press down on the button, get a reasonable exposure. They want and expect decent exposures without faffing about. And unless your photo scenario falls into one of the ones we just talked about, evaluative metering is going to do an excellent job in general. In fact, we're going to find that over 90% of the images that we make using evaluative metering and doing nothing else, will have a decent exposure. Spot metering only works extraordinarily well if the user understands what it does and where and when to use it. If the user does not, your success ratios are going to degrade. That's a fact. You have to understand how spot metering works on your particular camera. I fear, though, that in spot metering functionality is poorly documented in a lot of camera manuals. I know it's poorly documented in my camera manuals. I think it's an incredibly important feature, but because it's used very little, because evaluative works so well, it doesn't get the attention I would prefer to see as a more demanding or particular photographer. I want to understand what the coverage is and where the gradients are and all that stuff. The questions you asked at the beginning. And it's a fair bit of work to find that stuff. But at the risk of offending people, a lot of photographers are lazy. They don't want to go through the process of finding out where the middle tones are and should be in the creation of their photograph. They want to press down halfway. Yeah, yeah I can handhold that. Click and away they go. In that case... The problem is not with spot metering. The problem exists just behind the viewfinder. However, for those who take the time and are able to take the time, because not every photographic scenario is suited to the extra work required to spot meter well, those who take that time are going to be more successful. And second, we have to remember that we're still using a reflected light meter. And we know that reflected light meters do one thing. 
it's going to give readings that would render the metered area with the luminosity level for middle gray. So if we spot off white or black, the meter reading is going to force them to middle gray. And we probably don't want that. So we have to, again, be intelligent as users to decide where we're spot metering off of if we're going to use that reading for our exposure. Now let's go back to your example and your question about zone system. If I'm shooting for zones, I will want to spot off the darkest and spot off the lightest to find out what my dynamic range is going to be. And then I have to decide where middle is going to fall. Right. Where am I going to place zone five? Now, the good news about this is when you understand that, if you've got a mirrorless camera with an electronic viewfinder, or even a camera with an LCD, combine exposure compensation with spot metering, and you, it's going to help you correct for these kind of difficult mm -hmm. situations. Mm -hmm. The two work together. Right. And uh, the point uh, that you, you made uh, is something I really did not understand at all. Uh, I mean, I understood the principle, but not in uh, association with spot metering. And that is that what you meter off will be reduced to middle gray. And this came about when I was uh, researching this and reading some more about it. Because it became clear that one of the reasons why people like me would use spot metering uh, is that, okay, I've, I've got this focused on the object of interest out here, and um, this is going to be well exposed. And I don't take it that additional step. Namely, that is the white head of an egret which is now going to be a gray head of an egret. Or my moose that's hiding in the shadows is now going to be a very gray moose as opposed to a black moose. And if you point it at an eagle, well, yeah, you may as well buy a lottery ticket because it's anybody's guess what you're going to get. If you get the head, you get a gray head. If you point it get to the body, you get a gray body. And... Uh, the eagle's going to come out looking like anything but what you expect it to look. Right. So you have to choose. You have to choose, and you have to evaluate your image every time you point that meter at somebody and say, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to compensate or not compensate? So the, the plan to use it to get around the exposure compensation if anything, spot metering is going to make you do it more. Yes, absolutely true. There has been a perception that spot metering countered the need for exposure compensation. I'm going to say that that's invalid. What it helps you do is decide how much and where to apply your exposure compensation. Because we have to remember that whatever we do, is going to apply to the entire frame. Right. We're not changing the exposure on a spot. Right. We're metering on a spot and then making a decision where in the dynamic range we want that spot fall. Right. So basically you're doing the zone system 
on a non-zone image. Potentially the, so. The potential is, is there. Uh, and you have to make up your mind where the, whatever this is that you have focused on and spotted on is what you want. The other point I had made earlier is that the, the spot meter may be larger than the little green dot that you have. So if you're focused on the eye of a bird and you've got some of the, the surrounding area, the head, for instance, uh, included in the, not the green spot, but the actual area that the camera is metering off, the result may not be exactly where you think it is. Right, because what you may be getting, if the spot meter area crosses tonal ranges, right, you're going to get an evaluative spot. Right. It's going to average everything in sure. the spot. In the spot. And again, that may be perfect. And it may not. But it might not. Yes. And then the last uh, thing that I came up with was and again, that I hadn't thought about, but it makes perfect sense, is to be very careful with the concept of metering and recompose. Because if you meter on the subject, and then you move your camera position off the subject, or your metering area off the subject, and your camera continues to meter with the half press of the shutter button, everything that you did before is invalid. This is correct. If the reflectiveness, luminous value of the reflectance, yes. changes as you recompose. Right. What you want to do typically is lock your focus point right. to allow for recomposition. Right. But if you spot meter, you also want to lock your exposure value. The exposure value has to, to be allow up. for recomposition. And you've got that in most cameras. You've got the ability for focus lock, or one of the reasons people use back button focus. Lock the focus, get your finger off the button. Right. And right beside it is very often another button. Right. For auto exposure lock. Right. And so I could take my spot meter, take my focus, lock it, take my spot meter reading. Lock that down, and then as I recompose, when I squeeze, I'm still holding the exposure that I got when I did the spot metering exercise. Right. And also then, if I also dialed in any compensations at the time that I locked the exposure, they're going to hold as well. Right. If I release that button, though, I'm starting um, fresh. That's right. All bets are off. And, and, and that's... Uh, like I said, uh, something that I'm pretty certain most people would not do, or if they do, I mean, more, more power to them, but you've got to be pretty fast both on your fingers and, and in your thought process to to do that. So... It's an it, intentional process. It, it is, and it can be a complicated process. So you've got to be able to think your way through this. Now, if I may... As our cameras, sensors have improved, where we've moved from six stops of dynamic range or five stops of dynamic range to a camera like the one that you have that has 12 stops of dynamic range, right. we may need it less. Yes. Because we can shift the dynamic range in post. Yes. 
We're also not working with film, or most of us aren't working with film anymore. So we can actually see in the camera exactly what's happening. Yes. And we could make a makeup shot if we needed to. Yeah. But if we are being planful, this provides us the capability to get there in one as opposed to get there in six or get there in seven. Right. But it is an intentional and time-consuming process. So right. if you're photographing racing cars and they're moving through varying levels of light, spot metering may or may not work for you if you're looking for shifting where your mid-grays are. Right. If you're interested in having the racing car only ever be middle gray, perfect. <laughs> yeah, but we generally don't. But you've still got a lot of latitude. Yes. And you could shift that in post as well. So let's remember that the spot meter is just like the evaluative meter in that it's going to give you an exposure recommendation that's going to result in middle gray. And if you're comfortable where that's going to be, it's perfect. Right. But if you're not, if the subject is black, the subject is white that you're metering off of, right. maybe there's another alternative. And there is. You've got evaluative metering. Right. You know, I'll, I'll encourage people to say, to stick away from center weighted. That is very much an old style and it's sort yes, of pyramid shaped. You can see I haven't mentioned it at and all. It, because, uh, uh, you know what? Evaluative does a better job. Center weighted yes. just exists there as a marketing thing. Right. But spot and evaluative are two very different creatures, different tools for different needs. Right. And the last point I'd like to make is that if you are using spot metering, please remember that you're using spot metering because your next image may be anything but what you wanted it to be. Well said. So if you don't forget, if, you've, if you said, oh, this this will be good if I could get that horse and do all the exposure compensation and stuff, and that's that's great, and you forget and you leave it there and then the whole herd of horses comes galloping out from behind the trees and you haven't changed back, uh, if you're not aware that you haven't changed back, that next image is going to be shot. Potentially so. Potentially. It's potentially useful in select circumstances. I think it's invaluable for black and white and particularly the zone system photography. But it will require a mental exercise on your part to use it. And uh, you should get accustomed to the frequent use of exposure compensation uh, if this is something that suits your uh, style. Well, great, Gordon. I think that does cover the subject. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I'm Ross. And I'm Gordon. And we will speak to you again very soon. Yes, indeed.